Thanks, Chip. <laughs> okay, y'all. You know, I just feel like I had to say something. This boy, he's, he's in the Bahamas. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Hey, man, folks need Jesus in the Bahamas? Amen. Uh, man, I am so glad to be here today. And welcome to you as well. I want to encourage you today to be a fighter for your family, to be a fighter <clears throat> for your community, to be a fighter for the people that you work with, for the, be a fighter for the people you go to school with. We're not just going to talk about parenting today, although I think that is a crucial element of what we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about <clears throat> a problem that I see all around us, and that's passiveness, passivity. I, I just feel like our world, especially the Christian world, has just grown flat, passive. Sometimes as parents, we look at everything that's going on in the world and think, what kind of a difference can I make? Have you ever felt like that? I mean, be honest. I mean, I look at the national debt, and it's something trillion dollars, trillion trillion um i look at i look online and 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 i see the statistics of how much time my kids are spending online and how much time my neighbors are spending online and i'm just a little bit overwhelmed at how much difference that i can make i i, I see things happening in our culture and uh i'm not going to stand up here and bash culture for an hour but I see things happening in our culture, and I think, what, what difference can, can I make? Passiveness. Positivity, just sitting on the sidelines, just watching it all stroll by. It, I don't know how old you guys are looking around, but is there anybody here who remembers an artist named Bob Dylan? Yeah? Wow, I'm with my people. This is awesome. He sang this song way back in the day. Um, uh, I'm sitting on the bank watching the river flow. Remember that song? And, and um, I'm just going to sit on the bank and watch the river flow. I'm not going to try to do a Bob Dylan imitation for you. But when I think about this sermon, that's kind of the idea that I see happening in parenting. That we're sitting on the bank just watching the river flow what may come what may go just sit on the bank and watch the river flow and we kind of spiritualize our condition by saying well god's in control god's got this but we don't really say that out of a place of faith or hope or confidence we say that just out of a place of passiveness i don't really feel like there's anything i can do and so I'm just saying, God, you better have this because I'm done. And I just kind of emotionally check out. I was a youth pastor for 26 years, and I saw that in parents. There's really nothing that I, that I can do. And I tell you, I really think that the devil uses doubt and confusion and frustration in weariness to give us that idea that there's nothing that we can do and so we just need to sit down and watch the day flow away 
sit down and just kind of hope for the best as our kids go off to school and as our kids sit in their room staring at their phone for the eighth hour today and just whatever whatever god you just you just take care of it i want to look at mark chapter 9 um some verses there where we see a parent fully engage i mean (laughs) the dude gets with it but before i do i want to tell you this little story i think i heard this story for the first time like 30 years ago no kidding 30 years ago and uh, i've always remembered it i've heard it a couple times since then but i've always remembered this story there's um there's a man who went to sleep and and during the night he had a dream and in the dream he saw a beach a beautiful beach that stretched for miles and on the beach there were just hundreds and hundreds of starfish that must have been washed up during a storm or something and the starfish just littered the beach and the man was walking down the beach in his dream and he saw the starfish and he thought how terrible all these starfish are going to die this is this is awful all these starfish are just going to go to to nod and it's, it's nothing i can do i can't i can't save all these starfish and way off in the distance he saw something and as he walked toward what he saw he saw it was a little boy and the little boy was kneeling down and picking something up and walking over to the water and slinging something in the water and going back and kneeling down and picking something up throwing it in the water <clears throat> And as he got closer, he saw that the little boy was taking one starfish at a time and picking the starfish up and going, putting it in the water. One starfish at a time. But he wasn't making really a big difference in the, in the dent. He wasn't denting the, I mean, they were just everywhere, the starfish. And so the man said to the boy, son, what are you doing? You can't make a difference in this big disaster. What are you doing? And the boy bent down undistracted picked up a starfish and took it to the water and tossed the starfish in the water and looked at the man and said i made a difference to that one i made a difference to that one (laughs) the man i heard tell that story was used to be the youth minister uh director for the state his name was doug couch and um he told that story about 30 years ago and i don't think i'll ever forget it partly because i know how passionate doug was and is for students and how much he cared about kids and and <clears throat> and parents and seeing young people come to faith in christ and then begin to see them do ministry he just was very passionate about that and still is but i also won't forget it because during the week the 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 camp staff made a video and in this video they showed these people laying on the beach and as they were laying on the beach someone would come up and grab them by the hands and the feet swirl them around and throw them into the water and said i made a difference to that one (laughs) and one of the guys that they did that to his name was his his name is anson mcmahon any y'all know anson anson was an evangelist for many years and then he became a youth pastor in california and now he is in a large church over he's a pastor in a church over in and Buford Georgia so it made a difference to that one made a difference to that one hey who's your that one who's your kid who's your who's your friend who's your 
work colleague that you're praying for and, 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 and telling about Jesus and praying that they will come to know Jesus? Who, who is praying for your children? If not you, then who? Who's praying for your neighbor if not you? Who's praying for your mother or your father if, if not you? Who's praying for your son or your daughter if it's not you? Shane Pruitt, who is the head of uh, NextGen for the North American Mission Board, says, someone is going to disciple our students, and it's up to us to decide who is going to be their discipler. Parents, God has put you in a special role. You are the lead. You are the vanguard. You're the champion who is there to parent your child, who is there to lead your child, who is there to discipline and give boundaries to your child. You're there to pray for your child. You're there to be that discipler of your children. Look with me at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And if you're here and you don't have children, I want you to pray for those of us that do because it's a tough task. Amen? If you're here and, and, you, and you're young and you, and you hope one day to have kids, then I want you to soak this in and begin to pray and begin to seek out parents that are engage and watch and see parents who you feel like is doing a really good job and kind of soak that in most of what we do as parents is something we observed our parents or other parents doing about 97% of what we do as parents is something we saw our parents do from Mark chapter 9 starting with verse 14 <clears throat> and when the disciples and when they came to the disciples they saw a large crowd around them now, Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me, not Matthew. Now, Peter, James, and John had gone up with Jesus in the first part of chapter 9 of Mark. They had gone up on a mountain with Jesus, a high mountain. And while they were up there, everything that Jesus was wearing became a brilliant, dazzling white. And while they were up there, <clears throat> Elijah and Moses showed up as well and there it was it was jesus hanging out with moses and elijah and they were talking and jesus was in this dazzling white and then when moses and elijah <clears throat> left um, a, a cloud appeared and overshadowed them and a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son listen to him this is my beloved son listen to him Talk about a mountaintop experience, huh? Talk about a big day for Peter, James, and John. Well, now they are walking down the mountain, and as they, become to, as they come to the bottom of the mountain, <clears throat> they came to the rest of the disciples, and a large crowd, verse 14, is gathering around them and disputing with them. A large crowd disputing with the disciples. <coughs> And all of a sudden, verse 15, when the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and they ran to greet him. Some, 
theologians believe that when Jesus came down the mountain from the transfiguration that like Moses had done when he brought the Ten Commandments down uh, <clears throat> years earlier that Jesus face was glowing and radiant as was Moses's back in the Old Testament we don't have any proof of that but some people think that um, might be the case <clears throat> Other theologians compare this time to Moses bringing the Ten Commandments down because when Jesus comes down, he finds his d disciples, he calls them um, uh, faithless or unbelieving, and he finds them in an argument with some Pharisees. <clears throat> but what Jesus came, when, he, when Jesus found, when he came down the mountain, he found unbelief, whereas when Moses came down the mountain, he found craziness and immorality and he just found you remember the time when Moses brought the, the the tablets down and how he broke the tablets because of the people's sin and and whatnot but it's just some comparisons that people make about these two um, very dramatic times that accounts in the Bible <clears throat> so Jesus asked him he said verse 16 what are you arguing about and then listen to this, parents. Verse 17, out of the crowd, a father, one man answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. He replied to them, Jesus replied to them, You unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the kid to me. So they brought him to Jesus. <clears throat> when the Spirit saw him, when the, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground, and he rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the child's father. From childhood, he said and many times it throws him into the fire or it throws him into the water i would remind you john 10 10 the thief comes to steal kill and destroy in the water to destroy him but if but 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 if you can the father says but if you can do anything have compassion on us if you have your bible would you underline have compassion on us and help us parents i think that is the beginning of an awesome prayer for us in our <coughs> parenting jesus have compassion on us and help us then jesus said to him if you can now here, here's jesus who's just been on the mountain and, and and witnessed the transfiguration there was moses there was elijah there was his, his disciples there was a voice from heaven this is my beloved son and now he's down in the valley and this man who has this troubled son is saying to him if you can you and i worship the christ who raised from the dead you and I worship the Christ who healed people of blindness. You and I worship the Christ who holds the universe together in his hand. You and I worship the Christ who created the universe. 
And this man is saying to him, if you can. And, and Jesus just turns around and repeats it to him. You see that? If you can. Hmm. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Look at this next part. Another verse, another part of the verse you should definitely underline. Definitely underline. I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Then it came out, shrieking and convulsing him violently. The boy became like, <clears throat> like a corpse. So many said, he is dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him, and he stood up. After he went into a house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he told his disciples, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer some later translations add and fasting this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting let's pray together dear lord how do we overcome passiveness how do, we, how do we become people who live, love, and serve in and through you? How do we become champions in our house, God? Lord, I believe the only way we can do that is through prayer, through connecting with you. God, grant us that today. In your wonderful name I pray, amen. <clears throat> I want to look at several verses in the Bible today as we talk about prayer and as we talk about being a parent that overcomes passivity and being a parent that makes a difference in their child's life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the flesh, we do not war wage war according to the flesh. The weapon of our warfare, the weapons of our warfare, are not the weapons of this world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We are only human, right? No. We are human, but we're not only human. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives and empowers me. The Spirit of God lives in us. A war is raging. We can, de we can deny it, but a battle is going on all around us. For the souls of the hearts of men, for the souls and the hearts of our children, the battle is going on. And we have been given weapons for just such this time, for just such this time. For this game, we've been given weapons. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you and I, empowering us. God has given us his church to fellowship and to grow deep together with. Please, 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 if you haven't returned to church yet full-time, come on back. Be a part of the body. Be involved in a small group, a life group, a connect group. Get in there and grow. 
We need that encouragement to help us, to, to help us as parents, to help us as individuals to walk in faith and to walk in strength. And God has given us his word. In 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel is arguing with Israel about their desire to have a king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, he says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. Again, I ask you, if you don't pray for your children, if you don't pray for your spouse, if you don't pray for your neighbors, who will? Why are we not praying for our children? The Bible says, if I do not pray, I am sinning against the Lord. Samuel said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Man, when I just sit on my haunches and don't call out to God for the people in my life that he has placed in my life, the Bible says it's a sin. I'm not just saying it's a sin because I'm a conservative or because I'm a Baptist. I, the Bible says it. And that's how strongly we need, to in, we, we need to receive it. Man, I think that the devil does a wonderful job of telling us, your, sin, your, your, your sins don't really matter. <coughs> and, and your prayers, they're, they're not really effective. So just, okay, just sit quietly and... I think that's his role, and I think because, I said this earlier, I think because of the bigness of the world and the, and the craziness of our culture and just how extreme everything is, that we really honestly believe that our prayers are powerless and that reading God's Word is not going to be transformative in our life. I think that sometimes we just kind of buy into that idea. And the Bible says it's a sin. We need to pray. We need to pray. And remember that the God we're praying to is the God who created the universe. Jesus came down the mountain and there's this father and the father is so desperate there's a conversation going on and the conversation sounds like this what are y'all arguing about and the father believing that Jesus could make a difference in the life of his son bearing no shame whoa 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 whoa, whoa. y'all hold that question for later y'all can talk about that in church in church meeting or conference or whatever it is y'all do because today we got real life to deal with my son is in a bad way and i need the touch of jesus i can see it the crowd is there and there and this dad is, is is standing there and people are kind of shunning him because his son is just kind of that kid but this dad isn't passive he hasn't decided to tie his son up in a padded room. He hasn't decided to put his son somewhere to protect him and keep him out of harm. No, he's brought him out there to the base of this mountain to meet with Jesus, to risk shame, to risk getting hurt, 
to risk anything that might happen to them. Jesus, I mean, th- th- this father in love with his son has brought his son. The first point I want to tell you about being a parent is you, you need a vision. You need to be a dreamer for your, for your family. You see, sometimes we talk about disciple, discipling and sometimes we talk about discipline our kids, but really what we need to be is, is dreamers for our kids. What do we want to happen in our kid's life? This daddy wanted his son to be healed. And so he brought his son to Jesus. I want my sons to walk with Jesus steadfastly. And so I have introduced them to Jesus. I'm showing them things in the word. And I'm praying for them. Hey, listen, if you're a parent... Discipling your kid looks different at every stage, okay? When they're little and you're, and you're rocking them to sleep and you're singing them little lullabies, you sing them songs about Jesus and you read them good time, nighttime stories about Jesus, that, that's discipleship that's appropriate for that age. And then as they get older, you know, you say nighttime prayers when you go in and you talk to them at their bed when they go into bed about 6.30 or 7 o'clock. And then they get a little older and it's 8 o'clock. And, <clears throat> and then the conversations become a little more awkward because they're beginning to listen to music that, that's, you know, my family would say not appropriate or listen to music that's got bad things in it. And, and you've got to interject. You've got to be the parent. You've got to talk to them about what they're listening to and what they're watching on television. And you begin to step in and you begin to interrupt when things get bad and and interject the gospel interject the truth and set the boundaries and be the parent and and then there comes a time where the where you're going to bed at nine o'clock and your kids are going to bed at 11 o'clock and so that discipleship moment looks even different it changes all throughout but as we see with this father here He's not afraid to make the break. From the norm to the, hey, it's time for us to get in touch with Jesus. It's not a mystery of what we need to do. We need to get our kids in touch with Jesus through the word, through the church, through having and building a relationship with them ourselves. We've got to be that dreamer to set that path, (laughs) to make that happen, to make that happen for our kids. I love it what this dad says next. He says, Jesus, if you can, if you can. And I, I know that all of us get there at some point where we're just, we're just so desperate. Jesus, if you can. And Jesus responds to him and he says, yes, I believe. Please, God, have compassion on us. Help us and touch my unbelief. I don't know about you, but that many times is my prayer. I believe God and touch my unbelief. I want to see our world change, touch my unbelief. I I, I want to see my kids preaching and proclaiming the gospel. I want to see my kids witnessing and sharing with their friends. I believe you can do it, Lord Jesus. Touch my unbelief. Because there's, comes, there's times when we don't see the evidence. You plant the seed, but you don't see the tree. 
You plant, you plant the seed, but you don't see the, the watermelon or, or the fruit or the tomato that, that comes from that. It just it takes time, and we're just we're waiting on the Lord to do his good work, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And then sometimes it, it doesn't seem to ever come, and we want to be like the disciples and say, well, Jesus, why, why are we not seeing this thing coming and the Lord's answer to us says, this is, comes through prayer and fasting. This comes through prayer and discipleship. This comes through a life lived in me. A life lived in me. Let, let's talk about that for a minute. How do we pray? First of all, we have to realize that if we don't pray, that it's a sin. Okay? And second, I think we pray by asking God. In James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says this, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Be given to you. When you pray for your son or your daughter, or you pray for your lost friend, ask the Holy Spirit as you're praying, God, Show me what they need. Show me what they need. Man, the Holy Spirit of God's empowering me. The Holy Spirit prays for me when I don't know how to pray for myself. So why shouldn't I ask him, God, Holy Spirit, show me how to pray for my boys. This is going to sound weird to y'all. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I really debated if I should say it or not. When we were singing a few minutes ago and the, and the board was up there, uh, uh, the... the, um, the uh, the screen was up there, and the words of the song were up there, and the, and the background behind the screen had those kind of flaky, uh, glittery-looking things flashing. In the, you saw that? You know what I'm talking about? So when I'm praying for this church, when I was praying for this sermon, I closed my eyes to pray, and I saw that, I saw that image. And I said, look at it all. And I can remember saying to myself, look at those sparkly things. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I, I'm not just being dramatic here. But when I, be, I believe when I ask God, show me how to pray, I believe he does. Sometimes he says, pray this for your son. Or I'll see a word and I'll pray that for my, for my, my kid. When I'm praying over the people that I work with, it's the same thing. I just pray their name and I ask God, show me how to pray for them. Show me pray for them James says to do that I'm praying for them John 17 9 says I pray for them or I ask for them I'm not praying for the world but those you have given me for they are yours you might remember from the Old Testament where Joshua stands up and he says choose you this day whom you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord as for me and my house these are the ones that God has given me Jesus said when he was praying for his disciples I ask or I pray for them John 17 9 I am asking and I'm praying for my boys that they would live a life that is pleasing to God that they would leave a life of evangelism, that they would leave a life of service, that they would leave a life of ministry, they would leave a life of love. Those are the things that I'm generically, specifically praying for my kids. 
and I'm praying around my kids. I'm asking for the salvation of their friends. I'm asking for the salvation of their friends' parents. I'm asking for the salvation and the leadership in their life of their coaches and of their teachers. How are you praying for your students? How are you praying for your family? God has given them to us. Let's pray for them. Another way I'm doing it is I'm asking them. You might remember when Barnabas <clears throat> jumped up and ran to Jesus, and Jesus asked him. He was, Barnabas was blind, and Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? <laughs> and he said, Let me see again. I asked my boys. Isn't that awkward? Hey, 17-year-old big kid fixing to go to high school, how can your dad pray for you today? Sometimes I get really weird and I say, how can I pray for your friends today? And you know what? They stop and they get real serious. Hey, I, I, I wish you'd pray for, and they'll name a kid and they'll say, he's going through X, Y, Z. Isn't that beautiful? How awesome for them to know their parent cares about them and their, children, their, their friends and, and, and is willing to pray and It'll only feel awkward once. And then it opens a great door for conversation. Ask them, how do you want me to pray for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. I think part of our problem with this passivity as parents and passivity as adults and passivity as students is we don't want to humble ourselves. We want to be in control. And so since we can't do anything to fix the problems in our lives, fix the problems in our marriages, fix the problems with our kids, we feel hopeless. But we're too proud really to admit we need someone to touch our unbelief and to do this for us and show compassion on us. I, I want to earn what I get. I don't want compassion. I don't want help. But First Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So I'm casting. I'm asking for them. <laughs> I'm casting all my cares, all my concerns for them on the Lord. As a parent, I got millions of things that I'm worried about. And in 2023, that number just seems to just keep growing, doesn't it? I pray for their safety. I pray for their friends. <laughs> I pray for their conversations. I, I pray for their interactions on the internet. I pray for all, I cast all my anxiety upon Christ. Lord, heal. Um, I pray in confidence. Psalms 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is, y'all better listen to this, this is good. The Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, and <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches his, his, his disciples to pray, and he prays like this, not my shepherd, but he says, our Father. Isn't that beautiful? Christ is individual to me, but we're in community together as well. And he wants us to pray as individuals and lift up needs, but he also wants us to come together and have small groups and have accountability partners and have prayer partners that we love and we pray for and we lift each other up. 
do you have someone who you're praying for not just your kids but you're praying for their kids because they tell you they confide in you and tell you they're I hope so man it is so cool for me to hear the great things that are happening in my prayer partners families life it is so awesome when he tells me things that are happening and I'm like praise Jesus man I remember when that kid was born I remember when we prayed them through this and it is just awesome our father pray God's word this is what Jesus did (laughs) and then in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 he tells us thy will be done how can we pray better for our kids than to pray God's word for our kids what I basically do is as I read my devotion in the morning time I just pray and then whatever I just read I just ask the Lord to accomplish that in their life or to protect them from that in their life it's it's, it's really pretty awesome and then persistence finally persistence Romans chapter 12 be joyful in hope patient in affliction and faithful faithful in prayer Uh, who's the prayer warrior around you when the stuff hits the fan when it gets messy and nasty in your life who's the person in your life that you're like that's who i'm calling that's who that's who i want on speed dial yeah they seem to be a little crazy about jesus sometimes and i'm I'm not comfortable with with their passion sometimes but if i want somebody to pray for me that's who i want praying for me who's that person in your life can you be that person for somebody what's it going to take to transform you into that person faithful in prayer Thessalonians puts it this way Thessalonians chapter 5 1 Thessalonians 5 or 7 says pray constantly about everything everywhere I'm going everybody I'm seeing I'm praying constantly I'm going to close with this question if God answered your prayer for your children what would change in their life if God answered your prayer for this church what would change if God answered your prayer for Wander Bearer what would change I heard that question asked about three weeks ago in a service just like this and I want to tell you I was just convicted because I realized if God answered my prayer for Athens Georgia nothing would change because I'm not praying for Athens if if God answered my prayer for my son my sons what would happen their safety their righteousness specifically if God answers our prayers that we're not praying nothing's going to change Jesus told the disciples this is how change happens through this life of prayer parents, grandparents, friends parenting in 2023 prayers they answer single person divorced person person without hope person who's got lost friends prayers they answer in 2023 
I don't care where you start, just start praying, talking to God. God, just show me how to talk to you. Open your word and read it and just, and just Holy Spirit, show me how to talk to you. I want to pray for my mom today. Show me how to pray for her. Holy Spirit, I want to pray for my son today. Show me how to pray for them. Church, now, now more than ever before, we need to resist the urge of just being passive and jump in and pray and pray diligently for our family and for our community, for our church, for our city, and expecting God to have compassion on us and to help us make a difference. Pray. If the band will please come. Father, like I said, I stand convicted. I, I stand convicted. I need to be about your business. I, I don't need to war. I don't need to fret with weapons that are earthly because your Holy Spirit lives in me and you have empowered us with the ability to pray and get in touch with you. Jesus, forgive me when I sin against you and I sin against my brothers and sisters and I sin against my family by not praying for them. Oh Lord, <laughs> we don't stand here um, condemned because you have given us life and hope and I pray that if we're convicted Lord that we would just take it up one notch we just take it up one notch in our life and to begin to call out to you a little more today than we did yesterday a little more today than we did last night a little more today than we've ever done before just a little more God thank you for loving us and Lord, I know it's been a long time, but thank you so much for healing that father's son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness to us. In your wonderful name, amen.